welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. Good afternoon, my fellow Americans. C.J. Reynolds, coming to you from Texas. Lubbock, Texas. That's where we are, wife. Um... This is a little bit wonky, but look, at least I have a giant Texas flag next to me. I, there's no, I, are there any other states in the country that rep their flag as hard as Texas does? I don't know. Um, so hopefully the rest of the library can't hear me, but we are in a library in Lubbock, Texas, in the community room, and because uh, this is the best place we could get internet. So here we are. Uh, the wife for life is here, and Edie is here. We met for the first time ever today. Um, and we had a delightful latte together, pumpkin latte. That was, it was far more enjoyable than I thought. Um, so if you've never been here before and you're wondering what in the world is happening, I, so am I at this moment, because I feel like I'm, I'm like literally on a stage in the front of a room and there's even, I have a podium here and everything. So I feel like, I feel like the, I was, I'm the president of Lubbock. Uh, so here's the gig. If you've not been here before, my name is CJ Reynolds. I run this YouTube channel. It's called Real Rap with Reynolds. And the, real, the meaning behind Real Rap is that it's real talk. So my students call real talk. They're having real rap with Reynolds. They're having an honest conversation with Reynolds that might get vulnerable, might be a little weird, uh, but we just own it and we move on with it. So the idea here is every Sunday night or afternoon, depending on where you are, uh, we meet up as a community of educators that are just trying to be the teachers that we feel like we were called to be. So that looks like, in this case, you asking questions or giving answers. So if you have a question, you just put it in the, um, in the chat area and then Edie will tell my wife, will tell me. It's like whisper down the lane and hopefully we get your question right. And then you share that with us and I will speak about anything. Nothing is off the table. Um, and if you have an answer, you have feedback, you can provide help to someone, you're part of the community also. So just go ahead in the comment section and answer something um, to someone in there or you know, so th it's not just me talking what we're doing is creating a space so that we can all uh, Hopefully be the teachers that we dreamed of being uh, when we started this gig. So um, if this is not enough <clears throat> Excuse me That pumpkin latte is making me clump. We didn't bring in water in uh, oh, We just paid $30 for this room. We think we can get uh, some free water. Yes. They said don't drink the water in Lubbock. Yeah, no, no we have bottled water in the car. Yeah, they said it tastes terrible. Um, so if this is not enough for you, we also offer an, a number of other options. So if you need one-on-one -on -one mentoring, it's something that we offer. Just go to realrapwithreynolds.com and you can find it there. There's also the book, my book, Teach Your Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching, which is available on Amazon and basically everywhere else on the internet. Um, and then, uh, which my students don't really like. They get upset when they, they think people are ripping me off when, it's not, when they see it somewhere besides Amazon. They're like, yo, Ren, you're on Target target.com and I'm like it's all right guys it's like what people do um or the Facebook group Real Rapid Reynolds Teacher Talk is also available and that's a really great place for people to get connected uh to teachers that as Seth Godin says people like us do things like this meaning I feel like we are we're I, we are the teachers that belong in the island misfit toys I think and then we all find one another and you know for all the old people in the world it's like uh we're like the B-girl from the Blind Melon video in 1992. So that's it. That's all I got. Um, wait for the, the getting set up over here. Um, are you ready? No, our computer is being... And I have spotlights up here too. Weird. Oh yeah, we never even mess with the light switches. I'll do that in a minute. 
So, I was so excited to have this podium in this flag. I know, everybody loves it. Someone asked, where, oh, what's what the flag? Said. Oh, it's the Texas flag, because we're in Texas. We're in <laughs> Lubbock, Texas. Okay, you have a question. Scott Ordway is asking, I've always struggled with what to have students do or work if they finish their assignment early in class. What are meaningful things I can have them do so I don't just make it up as I go? Seventh grade. I, ooh. So I'd say, Scott, this is something that I've had. Um, it's, it's one of those things that you find. All right, so here, I'll say this. You have like your treasure trove of like activities that you just pull out of your back pocket when you need them. And when you're doing that in class, um, it's hard spur the moment. So it's kind of like come up with five things that you have. Now, look, I think there are a lot of things that can be meaningful. They just don't have to look like they're being meaningful, right? And schools are like that a lot. There's students in my class that go, yeah, we don't even do anything in Reynolds class or all we did was this today. And it's like, nah, bro, that was like a big deal. And like planned that a lot, but you just didn't see it. It's like sneaky education. And so that could look like if you need kids to stay quiet, I will often tell kids, hey, get started on the homework or get started on somebody else's homework or uh, take out your independent reading book because what we're doing, what, I think the bigger thing there is kids don't always want to do their homework. They don't always see the value of like uh, delayed gratification or in getting something done now so you don't have to do it later. But if you can build, I think the idea behind why you're doing that is more important. Why are we being quiet right now? Because our friends are still, our, our community members, our brothers and sisters are still taking their test. They're still completing the assignment. They are not done yet. And by being quiet, you're actually like helping somebody else get to where they need to be, right? You're making them feel less anxious. You're not making them feel, they're, they're feeling less distracted. It is a gift that you're giving to the rest of your community. So I think that piece is really important. Um, besides that, sometimes I do a lot of like dumb stuff, but the dumb stuff I think builds community in the classroom as well. So I've had kids do everything from, uh, I'll tell them like draw a picture of, like from memory, I don't want you to look back at, you know, the kid in the back seat, but like, and you always pick their friends, like be mindful of who you have them pick. And I'll give them uh, markers and they just draw on their desk, like expo markers to like, of like, you draw a picture of him, we'll draw, he'll draw a picture of you, and then whoever has the best picture gets imaginary extra credit. Sometimes we do this thing where we take expo markers, you stand all the way in the back of the classroom, and then you toss them underhanded, see who can land them on the chalk ledge or the marker ledge in the front of the room on the whiteboard. Um, and these seem dumb, but it's really what it's doing is giving kids a break from class and you're giving them stuff to do that is, uh, that is something that just builds a bit of fun. It shows what kind of environment and what community you're a part of in our classroom. Um, other than that, I think it can only be meaningful stuff. What you don't want to tell a kid, I'll tell, this is all in this. Seth Godin gave a talk, a TED talk one time. And he asked the entire audience to raise their hand as high as they could. Raise your hand as high as you can. And then he said, is everyone as high as they can get? Okay, now a little bit higher. And he saw everyone go like this. Well, the reason that they didn't do it all the way to begin with is because we know that in so many circles and so many jobs and so many classrooms that we've been brought up in, doing all of your work well and fast always just leads to more work. So I think giving kids space to do something that they like to do is the incentive of getting done early. The reason that you were being quiet though, right? This is a, this is a gift that we're kind of giving you. We're allowing you to do this, but to, to win that, you have to be, keep everyone else 
like you're doing this so that everyone else can be chill and, and finish their work in the way that is comfortable for them. Um, and if we can't do that, then we have to have a different conversation. Cool. What you got? Ooh, that was a long one. That was, it was. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay. Dale Classroom is asking, what structures or system do you have in place to build as many relationships as you can? Seems like I feel disconnected with a lot of students right now. All right. So that's a great question. Um, I think one, remember that you are not the person for every single kid and you don't have to have a relationship with every single student. Some students don't even want relationships. Some kids have like good parents and good friends and people that care about them. And like you're, they don't need you in that way. They need you to teach them, right? You are a means to an end and that's fine. It's like, don't, it's, it's about trying to figure out how to not get hurt by stuff like that. Like what you're doing is looking for kids that need help. You're looking for those that are in, think they're invisible and making them visible. And in doing that, I think that's how we get through. One of, I don't know how we got this idea, but years ago we used to do this thing where we would, at, uh, so I teach ninth grade. So in the ninth grade, we will put everyone's name up on the wall, right? Um, and then behind, it's my ADD, there's some tape on the wall there. Uh, they, we would put everyone's name up on the wall and then your job was to get a little sticker. We'd get little colored stickers. And so if mine was blue, I'd take my blue sticker, put on every single kid that I have a relationship with or that I've connected with in some meaningful way so far this year. When everyone does that, you start seeing the gaps, right? Or you see the kids that are getting way, like a ton of attention. The kids that are getting no attention. The kids are getting some attention. The kids that you're going, wait, who? I don't even know who that is. Who's, what kid is that? The other thing you're getting to do is see like, Someone you don't get down with, but you can see like, oh, my man, Mr. Fines gets down with that kid or Miss Cho has a meaningful connection with that student. And in doing that, you are identifying like, who do you go to when you aren't connecting with someone? So like, hey, Cho, um, Elijah has been disconnected in my class right, like lately and, and I'm concerned about him. Um, next time you're with him, next time he's hanging in your office, next time it's after school and you guys are just chilling, shoot me a text and let me show up and then we, we can connect. So what we're doing is Cho is my middleman. Cho is my way into a connection with that student. And that really, really helps. So, um, because sometimes it's not, it's not just you, but it's like they need someone to sort of vouch for you to get into there. So that's what I would do. Okay, Shauna is asking, I'm trying to find a way to hold students accountable for missing work slash plan or not being signed, etc., without using detention. Any ideas? Thank you for all you both do. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I think that's going to come down to, one, kids understanding why they're doing it. So why is this important? Um, and when you understand why it's important, kids are far more apt to do something. The other side of that is, it's got to be, I think, incentivizing works better than, so I'll say this both ways. I think incentivizing is important. I don't think it's the be all end all though. Because um, I noticed there, there is this move, uh, when I used to work for Teach for America, like I was never in Teach for America, but I used to mentor their teachers. They had this thing where it was like, instead of, like if a kid is talking, um, instead of me going, hey man, can we stop talking? Look right here, this is what we're doing right now. Um, I would instead say, hey, you're doing a great job and you're doing a great job and you're doing a great job and you're doing a great job. Like if this was duck, duck, goose or something of good jobs, instead of just telling a kid to like, bro, can you like, like keep it to yourself? Like be quiet for a second. I'm trying, trying to like tell you the directions or whatever I'm trying to do. I think that both of those work. So it's, it's giving kids 
um, credit for getting it done, making it a big deal, giving them a sticker, giving them a snack, giving them like a uh, high five, give, like shouting them out. And sometimes when kids aren't doing it, it's like, bro, what do we, how come, how come we're not doing this? I don't, I don't understand. It's not that hard. Like, or maybe you're really struggling with it. Like, can we figure out that? Or maybe you're afraid to give this to your parent. Maybe, you know, you don't think it's that important. Like, it's, it's some of that too. Here's what I've been thinking about lately. Um, getting a better glimpse as to who particular students are. This takes a lot of work, right? Enough work, I'll say. It's not like it's an arduous work. When certain students aren't doing something, it's talking to the counselor, the social worker, the office, the parents. Hey, what's the story here? What, there's something about the student that I should know because, because I'm clearly giving work that is not that impossible, but I'm just not getting anything from that student. So do they have like a learning disability that you don't really know about? Did, did their IEP not come into the school? We deal with this all the time in Philly. We're like, kids come from their middle school and they just don't get their IEP in. Uh, and then we find out like three months later that it's like, oh, you have dyslexia or auditory processing disorder or dysgraphia. And it's like, now we know. And this, all the puzzle pieces are coming together. It's, help, it's figuring things out in that way with kids sometimes. So um, the, I think the other thing is, it is giving points for stuff and then um, contacting home as much as possible. And look, I'm not, a, I'm not a contacting home kind of guy. It takes way too much work. Um, if I had to contact like every kid that like didn't do an assignment, parents. Uh, but what I can do is um, send out like a mass email or like, or like emails like, it, I, keep a, like I keep a form in my email that is like, this is a saved document that is like exactly with like a template of what this is going to look like. So I can just send them off to parents a whole bunch at a time. And then at least I can document that I was trying to reach out to parents as well. So I think that's, that's what I would do. What do you got? Anthony's asking, um, I don't know if this was to just the chat or to you, but I'll give it to you anyway. Okay. Uh, what are your go-to places for mental health resources? I want to help students to have coping strategies, but I haven't got a clue where to start. My go-to places? Yeah, I think if I were to answer this question for you, oh, it please. would be like, I feel like your answer would be, you have to like know how to do the work yourself before you can give, recommend coping strategies. That's a really, I would not have said that, but that's, that I should have. Oh, great, well good. there you go. I'm gonna give that um, one to you for free. Th thanks, I'll sign up for your mentoring program. Thanks. Um, yeah, you're right. I think every mental health strategy that I've ever shared with students is something I've done myself. And when you remember that young people don't necessarily have the tools, they have it. They have the tools to maybe grit and get through something, to stomach something, to push through something, but not to health like to get to the other side in any sort of healthy manner. So, in doing that, it is one. It is uh, I, I think small things like what are you eating, bro? Like, are you eating donuts for breakfast, or did you have like an egg? Like get some protein in your first 30 minutes. Like, are you exercising? Are you, are you hanging out with others? Who are the other people that you're hanging out with? Because if Jim Rohn's right and we're the average of the five people that we spend the most time with, that's really important to be spending the most time that you can with the right kind of people. What are you doing outside of school that is that fills you up, right? Not just, just helps you relax, but that actually energizes you. So maybe that's running, playing music, playing football, playing lacrosse, gardening, 
uh, sewing stuff. I don't know. Whatever you do, sewing stuff. Like, um, I'm sure some high schoolers into that. Uh, it is, what are you doing? Because right now, with, in the midst of a pandemic, maybe some of those opportunities aren't there. And I'm certain, I know for certain, that that is affecting students' outcomes in class and their, and their performance and their mental health. So it's like, all right, so how else can we figure that out together? And then I think, you know, but that's all stuff that I've done. It's the work that I've done. I think the other thing that you can directly do is just gets kids to get, getting kids to talk about stuff, right? And I've said this at nauseam, but it is never, I can never say it enough. What is mentionable is manageable. Meaning, if you can get kids talking about things, it is literally, it doesn't make them any, it doesn't always like make them less angry, less hurt, less depressed, but it's, it's similar to like taking the pot top off. If you take, if you have boiling water and you leave the top on, that water's gonna boil up, the top comes off, and then it's a mess all over the place. But if you just take the top off, it stops it from boiling over, right? So it doesn't make the water any less hot, but it makes it less disastrous. So it, it is always reminding kids, or just reminding yourself, that your attention is more important than your advice. By simply giving kids a space to talk about their thoughts, their feelings, how they're going through something, is the greatest gift that we can give kids with regards to mental health. That means that you don't have to know the answer. You don't have to be afraid of what they're gonna tell you. Someone tells you something, like that they were abused when they were a kid, that they are, they had a miscarriage, that their mom is really mean to them, that their stepdad's not nice, that they feel like they don't matter in the world. You don't have to say, well, here's what you do about that. Oh, were abused when you were a kid? Let me tell you how to handle that situation. There are no answers for that anyway. But what you can do is let a kid know that they matter, not by telling them that, by showing them that, by just listening to what they have to say. And then, you know, of course, for some of those things, you, you connect with the appropriate people at your school to make sure that that student is getting the services and the care that they need. But other than that, it's just giving them that place to talk about this stuff. And that makes all the difference in the world. What do you got? Manelik is asking, how do you guys experience working from home? I was very productive a month ago. Now I can't get myself to work slash focus on anything. And it's really frustrating. Well, because it gets boring, right? It was like a novelty first. It was kind of <laughs> like wearing pajama pants all day, right? It was uh, getting dressed from the waist up. Like it was kind of funny that I was in my laundry room or that like my dog would come in and lay on my feet in the middle of class or whatever. I think you have to keep it fresh, right? It's like the way that you, you know, if I went on, if I have been going on the same date with my wife for the last 20 some years, like that would get really boring. That place is maybe delicious to eat at or that ice cream place is great or that drive is great, but it can't be the same all the time. Right, so you have to switch it up all the time. It's like that outfit's really great that you have on, uh, but if you wear that outfit every single day, you're gonna, you know, Mr. Roper looked dope back in 1981 when he had that scarf on and that polyester suit. But if you walk out now, I mean, you look like, I don't know, a child predator or something, I don't know. Um, that was a weird connection for you. But uh, it is switching it up. I do all kinds of stuff in class that I am not so certain that my students think is funny or cool or awesome, but I just do it for me, right? Like all of my sound effects that I use and stuff in class, 
Nobody laughs at half that stuff. I wore a fez in class the other it day and no one thought it was funny. Hilarious to watch you do that and watch the reaction. Because they're just like this. Because nobody cares. It looks like they don't care, but they really do. That's no, a funny No, part. because next year they go, yo, that was, remember when Reynolds wore the I fez know. in class? Remember when he had a fake mustache on? Remember that day he put fake mustaches on his eyebrows and pretended no. that they were real? Like, it's the dumbest stuff that I do that I know they just can't show me. Right? School, my school is just like about, and I'm sure many of your schools are like the front, right? Like, you can't let people know that I enjoyed this. Um, but it's like, I don't need you to, I don't need you to say I love you back, bro. I'm going to do it anyway. So it's thinking about um, where from home could you sign in from? Could you start class somewhere else? Could you go outside? Uh, could you go in the alleyway next to your house? Could you go up in a tree? Could you go, you know, from your basement? Could, like, is there a park down the street? Is there a river down the street? Is there a stream you could be, like, just think of like, what would kids tune into that in the first five minutes, I'm doing this thing. Then give them their do now, then you go back to your house, you can sit in your appropriate area and stuff like that. But I think it's just shaking stuff up. How can you change your background? How can you use filters? How can you, because uh, if you use Zoom on, and on your phone, you can use Snapchat filters, just found this out. You can teach class like a potato. Right? That's a great idea, especially if you're learning about potatoes. Um, so I think it's just trying to make it more fun for you. And then, look, here, here's the bottom line. If you go to a concert and the people on stage are having a great time, you, I, I, I feel that. And I feel like the concert's better. If I go to a concert and it feels like someone's mailing it in, I kind of... It's still buffering. No, I think you're good. You're going to talk right now. Oh. Cool. All right. We're good. Next question. Okay. Um, At the podium. Part of it, though, I, I didn't see the second part. It was a ways down. And she said that it's kind of the opposite for her because she's planning from home. Like, she's still studying. Or the person who is still studying. Um, so they can't. Oh, oh can't like, make. making, like, you're at home. Like, how are you even being, yes, like, a productive like human being? Yeah, she, okay, here it is. I'm still studying, but I'm having a hard time keeping to my planning when my brain wants to think about anything but work. Just having a hard time focusing on the work. Okay, that's a great question. So I um, then take, here, here's, here's how you do it. Don't make the work the only thing you're doing. I have really been thinking about, um, to get a little bit uh, spiritual woo-woo on you for a second, um, I've been thinking about Sabbath a lot lately, right? And so like, even if you're not like a, like a religious person, you can still go with this idea. It's, it's still just a good idea. Every Saturday, I do no work, right? I've talked about this before. I just take Saturdays off, um, and I don't do any Real Rap with Reynolds stuff, and I don't do any um, teacher. teacher stuff, unless I'm doing mentor calls, because those aren't, the, like, I'm okay with doing that. The other thing I do is in between classes, so like, I will, I have 80 minute class, I have 10 minutes in between, I go outside every single time. Um, sometimes, like, one week I was just doing like push-ups in between every single class, right? I'm doing something, to have that, to, to sort of like revitalize myself, to take myself out of that. I think the way that you get the most productive is there's a thing called Parkinson's Law. Parkinson's Law says that an activity takes as long as you give it. And so, you know, for sure that like if people are coming over your house and you need to get cleaned up in 20 minutes, you can get cleaned up in 20 minutes. But you know, if you have all day to clean up, it'll take you all day to clean up. Um, and so it is only giving activities a certain amount of time. So like, hey, I'm gonna work, or, or saying, I'm gonna work for 20 minutes, and then I'm gonna take off for 10 minutes, right? I'm gonna work, uh, I'm gonna go for a 
five minute bike ride after this. It is breaking your day into chunks. And in doing that, you find that it is, it's more manageable. You understand it more. And, and I, I just like that. I think it's more fun. So I can like literally say like, I'm going to go watch five minutes of TV or I'm going to, um, break up my day in any number of kind of like weird or fun or wacky ways and then still get all the work done that I need to get done. What you got, buddy? Okay, Catherine is asking, how are early elementary, I don't know if this is you or the group, but I'll just give it to you. How are early elementary um, doing hybrid? Having kids online all day is crazy, so I'm making videos for kids at home and then teaching at school too. It's like I'm doing my job twice, I'm dying. Um, okay, that's a great question. First of all, the hybrid model is a terrible idea. In, in that, There we go. All right. We're going to have to talk to the city of Lubbock about their, uh, their internet abilities. But um, the thing that what I'm getting at here is, what was the question? Oh, dang it. I don't know now. Uh, oh, about hybrid. Like hybrid. All right. So it's a terrible idea. Um, that doesn't solve your problem, though. What I think could solve your problem is um, it is not making the videos that you're doing at home precious, uh, videos that you're creating for students precious. Or is it possible that you could create a video and then the hybrid kids are learning it or watching that at the, the at home kids are watching it at the same time the class kids are watching it, right so you're not teaching something and someone's watching a video no we're just doing it at the same time and one of my friends mr diawara at my school last year started creating all of his pre-classes so the first 10 minutes of class he would film in the front of the room and then he would engage with kids and check homework. And so it didn't matter if you were there or not, you were watching this video and something about something being on a video, the kids, it didn't pause, it wasn't gonna speak up, it wasn't gonna stop. Um, and the fact that you put anything, anything on a screen and kids just look at it. I do this all the time. If I go to a bar, there could be tennis on. I've literally never played tennis in my, well, I played tennis last night, fake tennis. Um, <laughs> I literally just smashed the ball at one another because I never did it before. Anyway, um, put anything on a TV and people will watch it. So it's creating something that you're not creating two things for two groups of people, you're creating one thing for both groups of people. And how much of your class could you do that for? Where it's like, okay, we're going to, here's me talking about what we're doing today. Here's me reading the story. Here's me, whatever you're doing, if you could do that on the front end, and then the interaction piece, or the small groups like, all right, now I'm gonna for the kids on the computer into chat rooms and you guys are going to group up or you're going to work on this by yourself or whatever that looks like so you're not double dipping you're not touching things more than once I hate that idea um, i don't like doing it myself but i think that that is one way that could get around that i feel like elementary teachers have to have a better answer for that too because you're at, like those of you that are actually you know running that game might be able to speak to it better what you got Okay, good old Mr. James Pete is James Pete. asking. Real quick, James Pete, I was at the uh, Lubbock, Dallas airport yesterday, and a guy had a Van Halen mask on that was just like all the, it looked like uh, Eddie Van Halen's guitar, and I had to go up to him and tell him that was great. Anyway, and I <laughs> okay. immediately thought of, of you, but go ahead. Um, I sat with my grades and I just decided to give these kids grace. Would you suggest being okay with more subjective anecdotal anecdotal? Yeah, thank you. Uh, data this year for grading, knowing these kids are just struggling as much or more than we are. Be awesome, CJ, Jen, I am family. Enjoy your time away. Thanks, Thanks man. Um, here's, here's how I feel about that. Uh, 
I think there's two things at play here. Yes, I think having grace this year is extremely important. No, here's the, here's the bottom line, folks. No, no one's getting away with, with any demic. Didn't get, I just don't think it's, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. What we're trying to do is create a bit of normalcy, create a bit of, it's like, it's right, it's all right. That being said, I think it's also important to, um, to like hold kids to some level of accountability. So like, I still, I have grace this year. I'm still not doing late work. I'm still not doing makeup work. Or I'm still not doing extra credit at the end of the trimester when your grade sucks and you want it to be something else. Um, because I've already worked with you. I already figured out your situation. I already built a relationship and you're just not doing stuff, right? Can't every kid kind of get out of the hole. So I have guys right now that have like a two, a 2% in my class. You could put a plant next to them and that would be doing better than they were. But you know, it's like what I'm, what I say to them is like, look, I can't put all my time, energy and focus into you because it's not doing anything. What you need to know is I'm ready. And when you're ready, let me know. I got you. I'll help you with anything. I'll never give up on you. Never, ever, 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 ever as a student. But I'm not going to just keep watering a plant that it's like, it's trying, here's, here's what it is. And I don't mean, this sounds a little want their, their, their want to succeed is dead or is it dormant, right? Sometimes they look exactly the same. Dead bush in the winter looks exactly like a dormant bush in the winter. So it's trying to figure out, is this a, a plant that you can nurture and help and it's going to accept, like if you fertilize it and water it and give it the right amount of light and plant it the right place in the yard and I don't know, talk to it or whatever the hell else you do to plants and make them grow. Um, are they growing or is that plant like, nah, it's, it's a lost cause, right? And I don't really think any kid is a lost cause. What I'm saying is in the moment, in the season that they're in, um, is that habit to get, and, and if they don't, then you have to connect them with better services. You have to connect them with people that can really, really help them. You have to connect them with like, there's gotta be a reason there. No kid wants to fail school. No kid wants to not do well, right? I don't even, that wasn't even correct English, but I'm saying anyway. Um, it is trying to help kids figure out what's going on inside of them, having grace and then giving that to them. But I think for some kids, it is still holding them accountable on some level and saying, no, like, bro, I, I've done all that I can. Um, if, and then when they're ready to like want to show up and want to really do work, bro, I got you. I'll, we'll figure this out. We'll help you pass. We'll help you navigate the school year. We'll help you figure out how to, how to pick up the pieces and, and, and keep rocking. But, um, yeah, so that's my answer. It was a non-direct answer maybe, but it was. What you got? All right, Jub Jub is asking, what are some classroom management techniques for introverted teachers? I'm usually reserved and quiet, so my demeanor doesn't exactly own a room by itself. Uh, that's a great question. Um, and look, I'd say for different kids, it's gonna be different stuff, right? Like for me, um, I am uh, an extrovert. I am, um, I don't know, like I, I am, I, I'm fully aware to the extent that I can to know who I am and what works for me. That doesn't work for every kid though, right? Like there are times that I have to, I have to pretend, I have to like do stuff that I wouldn't normally do. So, but how do you do it if you're an introvert? I would say one, it is consistency and it is, is number one. It is trying to, so you're, when they come in your class, they know every single day what is expected of them, right? Are we, we're doing this and we do this every day. You 
get your assignment out. You pull your homework out. You put your homework on this place on your desk. You um, log into this website. You do this journal entry. You do these practice problems in there in this place in the room. And this is what you do with your answers every single time that you're done. It is building in that level of consistency. So it takes the wonder out of like, wait, what are we doing? Wait, hold on. I don't know. Do I need my journal? What's going on right now? It's like, bro. Now you'll still have kids 10 months after doing this. Shoot, you could have that kid for two years and they'll be like, wait, what are we, what's happening today? Bro, I swear to God, it's been, it's on the board every single day. It's, it's in rows and it's in bold. I, I underline this part right here, except put your name on your paper. Uh, and they'll just be like, oh, my bad. But it is that level of consistency, number one, I think that's the most important thing. Number two, it is, um, I think, telling kids why they're learning everything that, that they need to learn in your class, like everything. Why grammar is important, why writing your name on top of the paper is important, why algebra is important, why biology is important, why this particular assignment in biology is important. When kids know why, I said this already today, they're more apt to do the things that they need to do, right? It's just gonna happen more because now it's like, oh, this makes sense. Because every kid, what is what do they ask in every class? Is, do we have to do this? Is this worth a grade? And why are we learning this? Excuse me. Algebra, whole thing, I don't understand why. I want to be a carpenter. How does this play into to my life? Well, bro, because if you don't know angles, like try building a house without knowing how to measure an angle. Um, it, that's geometry, it's not even algebra, but you get my point. It is, um, that's why I teach English, not math. It is trying to communicate to students why you're doing what you're doing. And then trying to make it as engaging as possible. Here's the gig with that. If you're introverted and you're not Going to go out there and put the show on. You're not shooting glitter out of your hands and stuff like that. It's all right. You create a classroom in which you are facilitating the learning, but the students are the ones put in charge. The students are the ones that are like, you're giving them the option to make this thing amazing. Um, so whether that's presentations, whether that's teaching lessons, like, all right, everyone, this next chapter, we're going to break this up into five parts. You got one, two, three, four, five. I want you to learn your part, master it. And then you're going to come up here. We're going we're to take a week or two for you to really, really figure out a presentation, figure out how we can do this, figure out how we can make it fun. And then it's your job to come up here and do this. And then what you're doing is helping students access information. You're helping them to understand the information. You're helping them to internalize the information and then be able to teach the information. So then it's not just you up here doing the show. You're managing. You are facilitating the classroom and letting the kids have the fire that's really going to ignite the classroom. But you're like, you're the one that's bringing all the ingredients together. It's their job to strike the match. What you got there, buddy? Benjo five five two said, "Is it possible to film an entire class and put it uncut on YouTube?" Obviously, the kids would have to agree, but it would be interesting to see you in action. Um, that's a great question, and I would love to do it. I'm not allowed. Uh, my school. The other thing that I have with my school is that um, this class time is is uh, is not YouTube time. It is what do they call it? Sacred. Um, and because I have completely new admin this year, uh, I am trying to fly as low key as possible. And you're not um, even in the building. And I'm not in the building. Year. Yeah. So, I mean, I would, I've often tried, I mean, I would love to do something like that. Cause then it would just show like. 
just even the way that you interact with your student. That was really eye-opening for me. As much as I know you and I know all of the things that you say, right? Yeah. It was a really different thing to see you interact with students because that's the that's like the, that's the scary part, I think, sometimes for people, right? The way that you did it yeah. was just really interesting. We could do it. I mean, if people think it's interesting and if it hits, it hits. But like, like if people like it, they like it. Yeah. But like voices in and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, but that's, I don't think that's as beneficial. Or just get... Ask on the Facebook group. I'll figure it out. I'm going to figure it out. That's a good question. Okay. What do you got, dude? There you go. Okay. We're going to skip around because we're at the 30-minute mark. Skip it up. Um, that was weird. So Eric is asking, as a caring individual, how do you turn that part of your brain off so that you can give that tough love that sometimes tough students that are um, continuously disruptive need sometimes? So... So it it's kind of piggybacks off of what you were talking about earlier. Was so how do I go from being caring and loving my students to turning that off and giving students like, you know. Like holding them accountable when you yeah. like and don't taking their excuses and how yeah. do you know when they're I think that this is real or this is this is such a great question. They're no different. It's still love, right? Love does not look one way. It looks a lot of different ways. And so sometimes you're cracking me up over here. Wife, I <laughs> I'm see sorry. You um, and I are having fun. <laughs> it is when you see a kid that is introverted, right? You don't see them in the hallway and go, yo, my man, up top. Like, you don't say, like, go up and try and give them a hug. You don't celebrate them. You don't throw confetti at them. This is, these are things I actually do to other students. You go, yo, my man, great work today in class. Or, like, sweatshirts looking tight. Or, uh, I love your new sneaks. Or, hey, um, you know, here's an uh, eyeball sticker. Put eyeball stickers on kids. Dad joke here for you. Put eyeball stickers on kids and let them know. Got an eye on you. It's just so dumb, but it's so much more low key, right? Not everybody needs this giant expression of love. I have other kids. Um, Aaron watches this sometimes, and Aaron had him for two years in my class. Aaron had wild ADHD. He had a spot in the back of the room, um, and uh, no one knows who Aaron is, so it's not like I'm sharing this stuff. But his, he had a really hard time sitting still. And so when I put him in a regular desk, it was just like impossible. He couldn't just sit in the desk. It, it was always like, Mr. Reynolds, um, Reynolds, can you, uh, can you explain again, what are we doing? What, what's happening right now? So instead, I gave Aaron a stand-up desk in the back of the room. Aaron stood at the desk and he knew you have this amount of room to move, but you can do anything you want to back there. You can sit on that desk, you can rock it back and forth. You can look at, you're doing the pee-pee dance, you do whatever you want, but that is what Aaron would do. But when Aaron did too much, I'm like, yo, I'm not, we're not having this conversation again. Look at me. I need you to get back into your area. Cool. Thank you very much. I love you. I care about you. I want you to find success. But right now, this isn't finding success. Got it? Cool. But I could yell at Aaron. I could raise my voice with Aaron. Um, sometimes worse than that. But it was always from a place where I wasn't yelling at someone because I was aggravated with them. I was yelling at them because I know that kids with ADHD, that, that, that shock, it lights something up in their prefrontal cortex and it allows them, it gives them this shock of dopamine that they need. So I know that about that kid. I know other kids I'd never, ever, ever raise my voice with. I'd never even talk sternly to them. I'd be like, here's what's happening right now. Why is this lady coming in here? I don't know. Yo, we, we rented the room for $30 back here. Um, make me send my wife out there. It's like sending a badger. Uh, so we, um, some of those students, you know that you can't do that kind of stuff with, that you can never, like I would say, instead of yelling at them, even if they're acting completely out of pocket, hey, let me tell you what I'm seeing right now. What I'm seeing right now is someone 
that is not doing what they need to be doing to find success today. I'm seeing someone that showed up to school, and if you show up to school, I, I assume you want to learn. And if you don't want to learn, then that's another conversation that we have to have. But like, how can we help you find success today? Right? It's because a lot of kids are used to being yelled at. They're used to being dealt with in one particular way. It is like, and I talk about this in a number of different ways in my book, but it is teaching like a DJ, right? You are giving the, you don't, you're up there, I'm up scratching and mixing and playing songs I care about. If I play the four tops and it clears the dance floor, bro, pick something else that's gonna get this party moving. And that is what it is. So that, so it's not turning off or turning on anything. It is giving students what they need. It's you getting over your own stuff sometimes and having the courage to give students what they need and to know this, that when you are caring and compassionate teacher and students do think that you are a friend, it is, and they get all hurt that it's like, I thought we were cool. How could you, do, how could you give me a zero if it was late, bro? Because I don't do late work. And we are cool, but we're so cool that this is the thing. I'm not your friend. I'm more like a mentor, but your success is so important to me that I will do anything I have to do to help you succeed. And sometimes that looks like a pat on the back and other times it looks like me getting all up in your face and being like, bro, this is not acceptable. You cannot act like that in this class. You cannot say that. You cannot do whatever you want. You cannot hurt that person's feelings. And because you thought we were cool, get away with it. It doesn't fly in my classroom. This is about you finding success. And I think that that's the switch. Sorry, long answer. That was a great Ooh, question. Holy smokes, that was a good one. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Jamil is asking, I'm a first year teacher starting after winter break, six, sixth grade remote. I'm worried about coming in as a stranger to build community and setting new class protocols remotely. Any advice? Thanks. Um, I think this is such a great question. Uh, Jamil, because you don't know who you're taking over for, right? Maybe it was the worst teacher ever and those kids got away with anything and everything. It was like crazy town in there. Or it was someone that the kids loved and it's like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna be better than Miss Brown was? Because Miss Brown was literally the greatest teacher I ever had in my whole life and now who are you? Um, that could be it also. It's about not caring to some level what the students had before. You cannot be that person. You cannot be anybody except for yourself. And it is confidently showing up and being who you are and showing up for kids in the way that you can to help them have a class that doesn't suck, right? So, and acknowledging, gang, look, I know, it's the middle of the year, right? What am I even doing? Like, like what even happened? Your teacher's not here, but I'm telling you right now, that I am committed to having the best class that we possibly can this year, right? I don't care if you even believe me right now. You might like laugh under your, on, under your breath or in my face or tell me like you want to go to the bathroom right now. Nope. Here's my goal. My job is to help you find success. Education is only ever about students. So I'm going to learn who you are. I'm going to figure out how you learn. I want you to have a class that you're engaged in, that you, that you enjoy coming to. And even if you hate every class in school, including mine, I want you to hate mine the least. That's my goal here. So I think letting kids know on the front end that that's what your goal is. Letting them know that you want this to be the best class of the year or the best that it can possibly be. Because how many of you have ever had teachers that even told you that? I never had a teacher in my life, maybe some, but like I never had a teacher tell me that they liked their job, that they were stoked to be here, that this was gonna be awesome, that we were gonna try and make this great. Never in college, in high school, in grade school, ever. Some people, you could read it on them that they love their job, but there were a lot of people that looked like they didn't like their job. And if they just told me that like, no, but I want this to be awesome, 
That changes everything. And then it's about immediately being as open as you can to, are you in the hallway every single day before school? Are you in the hallway every single day after school? Are you in the hallway in between periods? Saying hi to kids, getting to know kids, being available, right? Being visible, and then building relationships from the jump. And I have whole videos on that too. Um, but that, that's what I would do. It's, it's gonna come down to building relationships because kids are gonna hear that you care, but are they gonna see that you care, right? Love is a verb, as my friend Hannah says. And so you have to be doing the caring thing and in those first two weeks, month, if, when it's hard, don't get all beat up about it. Like, just keep getting up and, like, put a half smile on your face and keep going. What you got? Okay. Uh, Kyla is asking, hey, Reynolds, I have ADHD and I'm really afraid that it will affect my teaching. How do I deal with this? Um, so, first of all, I don't know if you can tell, but I have ADHD, too, because the tape was bothering me on the wall and I had to remove it and then put it on the side of the podium. But then I keep feeling it on the side of the podium and then I stop thinking about what I'm saying sometimes. Um, I think it is 100%, look, Freckles is saying I have ADHD too. Um, it is about owning who you are. I tell kids all the time, I'm like, bro, I know, I know you were, I, I heard your question, but I wasn't paying attention because I was looking at that squirrel outside the window the other day, or right now, and so if you could just say that again. Um, I think sometimes it is one, here, here's the difference. What if you had a teacher when you were coming up, and maybe you did, but I, again, I never did. Uh, and I was also undiagnosed everything. Um, if I had had a teacher that told me they had ADHD, and it was someone I thought was fun, someone that I knew was interested in me, someone that did good work, how much more empowering is that to you to not know that what you have is not a learning disability, it's a learning difference, right? That is, it makes all the difference to let someone know that, yo, I got ADD, I'm like crazy, right? I don't take any meds, um, but I do certain things to try and help clear my mind, to help get me focused. But, uh, you know, it, it, is, it is a thing that's, that I really have. And then, you know, you've survived up until this point in your life. So it's, it's knowing that those things that you did to get here, those surviving mechanisms, those ways to, to get to where you are, are still useful in the classroom. Like, so here's a couple things that I do. One, I keep my class exactly the same every single day. It is like, basically, I don't know how no one gets bored. Like, or they don't just show up and go, oh my God, I swear to God, if we have to do another journal entry. But I make the journal entries about weird stuff. Like what two cereals mixed together would be the greatest taste explosion of your life? Um, what is a song that you never get tired of listening to and why? What's the greatest hip hop collab of all time. Like, it's just stuff that, like, I want my kids to write. I don't care what they're writing about. It doesn't have to be like, do you think that um, school uniforms are important in school? Or that all kids should, like, should we get rid of homework? It's like, that's something that's boring. I don't want to answer that as a kid. But by keeping it interesting, by keeping it the same thing every day, I know in my own mind, in my disorganization, I can do, that I do the do now. They do the journal entry. They do the meat of the assignment. Do I know what text we're reading? Do I know what, from what page to what page we're doing? Do I have the homework assignment ready? And then it's all on the same board or it's in the same places in the classroom. My classroom is so ridiculously organized that I have, if you look at my, any of my videos, I have this thing behind my desk. The suitcase with the weird stuff in it has a label, says weird stuff. The suitcase with the weirder stuff in it has a label, says weirder stuff, and it's spelled wrong because I also slightly, I think, dyslexic. Um, <laughs> the, every, the, all the pens go in the same place, the erasers go in the same place, the expo markers go in the same place. 
is all labeled. They're, it's like a five-year-old's bedroom. And so, but I know that about myself that otherwise, I'm gonna keep stuff all over the place. You know, look, what did I do with that thing? I don't even know where it is. The pen is always in the same two buttons. I keep it locked in my shirt. It looks like a, a tie clip. It's about owning who you are, not being afraid of it, and knowing that I think, I think ADHD leads to a lot of really cool stuff in class, man. Like, it's like when you just can think of something, you go, oh, you know what we should do? Like, I gotta, I'm gonna figure out a way to, to do something cool on, on the fly because that's where my head's going all the time. So, yeah. What's up, turtle? That's one of my students. My Are you man. ready for our next question? Yeah. Uh, Lavelsa, I think her name is. We're gonna go with that one. I'm sorry if I butchered it. Sorry, we're not very good vowels at vowels. Really, it's are just difficult. Vowels, in the Reynolds household. The Reynolds do not handle vowels very easily. Okay. Monday okay. advice: reset of class expectations. I'm an ELA HSS. We have a new temp STEM teacher. Uh, gave time and space for kids to adjust. Advice for parent conferences with report card night coming up. All right. Uh, oh, lots of stuff coming there. So, um, you can reset class expectations at any time, but I think that what it is is really, really holding on to what you say. If you say there's no talking when I'm giving instructions, one, you got to say why. Why are we not talking while I'm giving instructions is because I'm in charge, because I said so, because I'm the adult, because I'm the, I'm the overlord of the classroom, or is it because, guy, gang, listen up, here we go. Ready, four, three, two, thank you very much. The reason we're not talking when I'm giving instructions is because it's distracting to everyone else in the classroom, and they can't then understand what's going on. Some of you are still not gonna understand. You're gonna, it's gonna be completely silent, you're still not gonna know what I'm saying, and, but we're trying to give everyone an opportunity here. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right, cool. So that when I ask you to be quiet, it's not about me. It's not about you even respecting me. It's about you respecting each other because we're a community of people in this classroom. Understand what I'm saying? Let me know if you understand what I'm saying. All right, word. So then we go on to the next thing and it is um, saying that, but then it's really, really doing it, right? It is having the confidence to say, like when that one kid who's always kind of pain in the butt in the back of the class keeps talking all the time and just going, no, no, wait, hold on a second. We can't, please, I really, what you're saying is so important to me that I want to be able to pay attention. But my guy, what are we doing back here, right? We're talking. I think a lot of times kids aren't even trying to be mean. They're not even trying to get on your nerves. I think they just go, oh, my bad, my bad. I'm sorry, I was talking, right? It, it is a my bad. I think 80% of the time it's a my bad. And so it's just reminding kids. It's not getting mad at them. It's not taking a point off. It's not sending them to the hallway. Bro, did we forget where we are? Thank you very much. Listen, I'm important. You hurt my, hurt my feelings a little bit right now. It's like sometimes it's just saying ridiculous stuff like that, but it's really, really sticking to it. I think as far as parent-teacher conferences, um, here's the win every single time. It is not, um, let me tell you about your kid. It's tell me about your kid. It's, this is what I'm seeing. Let me report back to you right now. Let me tell you what's happening in my class, what I'm seeing and what their grade looks like. How do I help your student find success? What teacher in the past did they do great in? What teacher didn't they do great in? Not because I need to know names, but because I need to know teaching styles and the way that they conveyed information. And what do I need to know about your kid to help them have the greatest year ever, right? Some parents, number one, they've never been answered that question in their life. I guarantee it. Two, they might not know that answer right away, so it's creating space and saying, all right, look, 
I realized I didn't prep you for this. I didn't give you like a, 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 I didn't preface this in some sort of email or something like that. So why don't we touch base next week? Think about it and then let me know because I want, you know, the bottom line is I want your kid to win. That's what this whole year is about. It's not about me being right. It's not about me being the best teacher. Um, I want to be the best teacher for your kid. I'm not trying to make them fit into what I'm doing here. I'm trying to fit into how they learn and how they, you know, experience uh, success. So that, I think that that shows that you actually care about someone's child instead of like being like, oh, let me tell you about what your kid did last week. Let me tell you about how they never shut up. Let me tell you about how they never sit down. You think they're any different at home? No, they're not any different at home. It's the same exact thing. But you're trying to like, you're acknowledging that the parent actually knows their kid. So that's what I think. That one got a little serious. Go ahead. Okay, Little Space Freckles is asking, what is your advice when you have short class periods and hardly meet in class? I see each, each period two times a week for 50 minutes at a time and one time in person for 40 minutes. There's so much um, the kids have to do on their own that there hasn't, they haven't been able to keep up with, and I feel like there isn't enough time to get into a lesson. It's not, it's not, I've seen my students two times a week for 80 minutes, and the school's like, well, it's actually the same amount of time, basically, that you'd see them during the week, and it's like, bro, it's not, it's not the same thing. Um, it is, because 80 minutes is too long, and it is, hard to keep attention for that long, but then I only see it twice a week? Like, what? Like, um, I think it's about paring down what you actually need to do, right? School, class takes 40 minutes because that's what they decided on. It doesn't, it's not what it takes. Like, it's, it's like arbitrary number that someone came up with, right? It's like, we go to school, typically in my school, it's like 42 minute periods, five days a week. Why? It's not because someone did a study and they were like, actually, we've learned that students actually do best if going to school five days a week for 42 minutes each period. Um, no one ever cared about that. So I think, Freckles, it's about you figuring out what do I need students to learn and how do I get them there? I read a quote the other day. It said, the best way to teach something is a way that everyone's going to understand it. So you figure out, all right, let's reverse engineer this. What is, and I just write, I like literally write all the stuff on my whiteboard. It looks like crazy person half the time. Um, here's what we need to learn. How can I get this class, this particular period of students to, Texas flag almost fell on me, to the end goal, right? Given that I have two 50-minute classes and one 40-minute class. How do I do it? Am I going to read all of Lord of the Flies? No. When we read Lord of the Flies this year, no. There's like five important things that happened in Lord of the Flies, right? The rest of it is just like they were drinking out of a fountain. They were walking in the woods. The green of the trees was so beautiful. It's like that stuff is important if you love reading, but if like, but why are we writing? Like, why are we reading that story, right? Like, so that's what I have to think about. Is it we're reading what we're reading because it's a beautiful story and I want my kids to learn a love of literature? Are we reading what we're reading because we struggle with comprehension? Are we reading what we're reading because I want to get, have my students understand what imagery is? So like all this other stuff doesn't really matter right now because we're going to talk about imagery. We're going to talk about symbolism. And we're gonna, I'm going to show you through this text how to understand and how to identify and use this particular thing. And so in doing that, you are cutting out all kinds of extraneous stuff. Why do we have like this? Why do we, it makes me really think about like, why do I do certain things in my classroom? Because I know I'm gonna have 10 minutes left at the end of the class. Because I know that this lesson, this particular lesson just doesn't take that long, right? Like, so, so, I, so I think of other things to fill time with that are still meaningful and useful, but it is about thinking about what do I need kids to learn? 
how can I get them to that end goal, right? And that's it. So it's cutting out all the extra stuff because, because we have lesson plans that fit our class periods because guess what? That's what somebody decided we need our time to, to teach our kids. There are some days I can teach a lesson in 10 minutes. Guys, this is what we're doing today. Let me set this up. Now go do it. I don't know how long it takes you to do it, right? It's like, I just think that that's important, right? Um, it's, uh, some people can run a marathon in a very short amount of time. Others of us, it would take me two days to run a marathon because I run extremely slow. And, uh, but that's just what it takes me to do. So I think thinking about it like that might change. What you got, dude? I would drum on this oh, all the time um, if I had this okay. in my classroom. Camp Calcus is asking, do you have any advice for beefing up my classroom library? Is there a better way to fund it than out of my own pocket? Favorite books for high school? Yep, here's a go. Here's, here's a go. Um, <laughs> one, uh, in terms of getting money, my friend Jen Jones, um, who's a fantastic human being, if everyone's not following her on Instagram, you should be. Jen Jones or Hello Literacy is a really great Instagram feed. Jen says that you should always have at least three donor's shoes going at any given time because every once in a while someone just buys all your inner, all your stuff two it is about asking people for free stuff go to a bookstore go to a barnes and noble go to like anywhere that has books i go to my local library and my local library has um now they say let's put this out there they say that these are books that you can borrow indefinitely but we all really know that that means you can just keep them and every once in a while, there's good stuff in there because they had four copies of, I don't know, some new Jason Reynolds book and they just didn't need four anymore because you have a certain amount of space. So now I just get to take one and take it to my classroom. Um, that's another free way. But here's, here's what you need to know. And I learned this years ago. I needed to fund something. And um, I was funding, uh, in this case, it was a community garden at my school that I wanted to build. My school had no money for it. So I went to Home Depot and I said, hey, I need about $2,000 worth of stuff, and this is exactly what I need. It's for my school in West Philadelphia. We don't have money for this, but I think my students will really grow and change, and I'll put you on social, and like I'll shout you out, but like this is what we need. And you know what they told me? That they actually had money to do that. Like They already had money set aside, funds to give, and so, but no one ever asks for it, so I just got it. So it's about asking places, too. I think, how do you build your classroom library? You let your kids pick the books. Letting students pick books. Letting kids, here's, here's how I do it. Um, you have a kid that doesn't like to read. Yo, I hate reading. No, I don't read books. All right, well, what do you like, man? Like, what are you into? Um, sports. All right, like what? Like baseball, football, lacrosse, curling? Like, what's, what's your jam? Curling, what's that? Never mind, doesn't matter. I really like football. Okay, cool. Who's your favorite player of all time? Um, favorite player of all time, uh, Tom Brady. Okay, sorry about that, because, you know, I'm from Philadelphia, and we don't like the Patriots. But, um, but awesome. Did you know that? Tom Brady, like, like I looked up some stuff about him. Did you know he went through this, 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 or this in his, in his life? Or do you, do you know, like, when he played this particular game, this thing happened this one time? So I look up some information about this, and then I go, there's actually a book on this on Amazon, right? You want it? Like, I'll order it for you. Yo, you'll order the book for me? Yeah, I'll order that book for you, and I'll be here in, like, two days. And then letting kids pick books, guess what? When that box comes in, it's an ordeal, right? Box comes in. Gang, all right. Unboxing, right? For those of you that don't know, this is a thing that people do on the internet where they open up things and it's exciting for other people. It's like watching somebody else open up Christmas presents and that you'll never get to play with. I don't understand. But we unbox them and then your book comes in and we talk about it. You give that kid that brand new crisp free book that they got. And then every once in a while, if I have a kid, I had a kid last year that was like, read a whole book and he goes, yo, 
Reynolds, I'm just about to finish this. Legitimately, the only book I've ever read in my life. What? You never read a book? That's the first book you ever read in your life? First of all, amazing, and congratulations to you. I love it, love it, love it. Second, why just keep that book? What? Why would I keep a book? Bro, that's like a trophy. Like if you ran a, if you ran a race and you won a medal, I wouldn't say like, hey, you wanna see the medal that you won? Cool, good job. Um, give them the trophy to keep. And then I think that that builds kids that wanna read. Um, Cause I think all kids are readers if they have the right book, right? I didn't read when I was a kid cause I didn't know there were books out there that I'd actually like. And then when you finally get put onto something that you like, then you do it. So I think that, but even if you don't let kids keep them, having students pick the books is gonna, you're gonna way better bang for your buck. What you got? Okay, we're just gonna do the last one because we're at an hour. Alrighty. Um, Unicorn Hibbet is asking, any advice about teaching kindergarten kids for the first time? I'm kind of nervous because I'm used to teaching fifth and sixth grade students. So I think if I was teaching kindergarten students, um, which I don't, I teach ninth grade and I've never taught elementary school before. So I realize that this is somewhat like, uh, it's out of my wheelhouse, but I know kids. I think there's a couple things here. One, those children are extremely excited to be a part of school, right? It is at an age where you are, you love learning, you're excited about stuff, make it fun. Like have fun with what you're doing. Um, and I think that even if your school has very packaged plans, if they have scripted lesson plans, look, um, people get really upset about that. And maybe they should, right? Like I think that teachers have far more autonomy that we're professionals, but there are best practices, so maybe some of that stuff's not so bad, I don't know. I think it's about doing this. It's about sprinkling magic on whatever you're doing. That the box cake is the box cake. The package lesson plan is a boxed cake, right? You get your Duncan Hines box cake and it's the devil's food cake or whatever you're, you're eating. I, don't, I couldn't think of another cake off the top of my head. Um, but the cake is the cake, right? Reading is reading, writing is writing, math is math. How are you going to decorate the cake? How are you serving that cake up? What do the lights look like in the room? What does it smell like in the room? Where are we going to learn this in the room or outside of the room, right? So we could learn like symbolism in the classroom. We could learn our letters in the classroom or we could just take some sidewalk chalk outside and learn letters also. Yo, I need to see A's from everybody in here. I want to see an A and I want to see it um, like this, right? Or you make a game out of it or something like that. So it's, I think it's, for me, it would be about really understanding that those students want to learn. It's about realizing that we can make fun doesn't mean you're not learning, right? We've got, I don't know where we got that from, a lot of teachers that just think like, if you're having fun, if there's laughter, if there's chaos in your classroom, this is bad. And three, it's about, I would think it's about having very clear systems because they're young people and they forget everything all the time. What are we doing? What's happening? Oh, we're in circle time? What's going on here? Where do I sit? It's about being very clear and concise as to what your, your outcome you want to see in those students is and then helping them to get to that. And then I think even if you have to fake it, you have to be excited to be there. Like there are days when I do not want to teach, man. I'm tired. The last night was long. You know, wife disciplined me or something like that. Um, <laughs> it is about figuring out ways to like before school or before I go into this lesson, I'm like prepping myself like a game, what player would do before a game so I can go in and give 100%. Um, and that's something I take very, very seriously and, and allows me to go into school on 11 more times than I, you know, could probably even admit. That's it? I mean, there's only one. In the moment? Did that freeze again? It's no. like a froze on yours. Um, cool, gang, that's all we're gonna do because we're in Lubbock and we had to pay for this room. Can I just show you this room? So we're in this room real quick. 
Oh yeah, if anyone's in Lubbock, we'll Texas, in Lubbock we'll be in Lubbock, Texas again this weekend, but I had to rent this room. There's Edie and Jenna. Oh, they don't want their faces seen, probably. Look, I feel like I got in trouble and I had to go to court because um, I'm in this big room um, that they made me pay. I'll show you in the background. So they can't really see who you are, but there you are. I'll protect your identity. So we had to rent this room. Um, this is like, there's, it's interesting being in here. I feel like I'm in Parks and Recreation, like up here giving a, a thing. But uh, so yeah, so we're in Lubbock for uh, my sister-in-law's wedding and now we are going to go eat some Texas barbecue because I keep talking like this since I've been here. I keep saying howdy and y'all to everybody too. Um, I will be in Lubbock today and then I will be back Friday, Saturday and Sunday next weekend. So if anyone's around, um, I'm already hooking up with some people. So if you want to like do a drink, do a coffee, something like that, do like a rodeo, do some square dancing. Let's let me, that's so inappropriate, but uh, we're not going to do yeah. Oh, yeah. We're fine. I don't know. Yeah, you can't do it in the airport. I could do it in the airport. Well, what's that? You want to talk through the mask on a mic? It could. It's difficult. Depends. No, come on. We'll feel it out. All right, gang. I care about you. I'm so glad that you showed up um, to my ridiculous live feed today on the stage with the Texas flag. Awesome. Have a great week, everybody. Peace.